Uh, today we're going to continue our, uh, our uh, series, we're calling it Crisis, Religion, or Relationship. And today, I, w- I look forward to, I- I've enjoyed every one of these, these messages, but uh, this week and next week, if I can get through this week, okay, uh, are those uh, kind of messages where it's put into practice stuff. It's, 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 it's applicational in a sense. And so I'm looking forward to, the, to that. Today I just want to share with you about taking a relational step to intimacy with God. Okay? That's a long title. I'm not real good with titles. But what, uh, what I'm trying to say is here, we're going to learn how to, how to get intimate with God, how to walk with God in an intimate relationship. Every one of us, whether we're willing to admit it or not, hungers for an, He put a, a vacuum, a, a, an empty place in our heart and in our soul that, that only He can fill. He, he made us that way. Look around you and, you, and you see people all around who are attempting to fill that vacuum with all kinds of things. I mean, all of us know people, and, and, and you may even be there. You may even be there. We, we see people who, who use all types of, of illegitimate means to, to meet a legitimate need. There's a hunger that's within us. Many people use drugs. Many people get uh, hooked into entertainment. It, it can be sex. It can be, it can be money. It can be hobbies. It can be jobs. It can be education. It can be uh, power or, or, or position. Or prestige. Or, or it can be religion. Okay? A lot of people try to fill this, this empty place, this void with religion. And none of those things satisfy the craving that God created in our hearts. He created it so that only He could fill it. What happens is when we put those other things in it, it makes us hungrier. It makes us more desperate. Every person... And I mean every person can have a relationship with God. There's not a person on the face of this planet that can't have a relationship with God. And when I say a relationship, I mean an intimate relationship. And I'm going to give you a definition. I've got a friend that defines intimacy as into me you see. Into me you see. And, and, and what, what I'm talking about is a relationship where we allow God to see into us. At the same time, He allows us to see into Him. The more we allow Him to see into us, guess what? The more He allows us to, to, to gaze into His heart. There's no question that uh, relationship is important. But for relationship to take place, it has to be mutual pursuit. Okay, It can't just be one person pursuing another person. God pursued us. He's pursued every one of us. If you look at the cross, you see the, 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 the proof of the depth of God's pursuit. But the question is, will we pursue God? Will we go after Him? And so today I want to share some very simple steps for having an intimate relationship with, with Christ. I tend to stay away from sermons that have steps in them. Okay? And here's the reason why. Okay, Christians with a religious addiction tend to mechanically follow the steps. 
Y'all understand what I'm talking about? If I do this and I do that, if I do number, if, if, if Pastor Nelson says, if you'll do these three things or these seven things, if I do one, two, three, four, five, I'll get this. And, and that's not always the case. If we just follow them mechanically. What I, what I want us to do is, is rather to follow them methodically with our hearts. Okay? With our heart-seeking relationship. So I, I rarely share three steps to this and seven steps to that and ten steps. I just don't do that because I've, I've come from that place where, okay, if I can just get the steps down, you know, I get the steps written down, I, I can make this work. And folks, this is a heart relationship. This isn't a work relationship, okay? And so, the steps I'm going to give you all come straight out of one chapter in Scripture. So, I don't think anybody will have to stretch to see them. They're kind of obvious there. Uh, Jeremiah 29, 13 gives us a promise. And this is, this is one of my life verses. If you will seek me and you will seek me and find me. When you search for me with all your heart. In other words, God says, when you search for me with all your heart, you will find me. I'm not hiding. I mean, God's not hiding. He's not hiding from any of us this morning. The problem is, very few are seeking God with all their heart. That's the key. It's all your heart. If you'll pursue God with all your heart, and if you'll apply the principles that, that we're going to look at this morning that come out of God's Word, these steps, if we'll pursue God with all our heart, listen to me, I guarantee you, you'll have a relationship with God. And it will be an intimate relationship with God. And it will mess you up. Okay? I'm just, I'm going to give a, you know, a disclaimer. If, if, if you buy a pack of cigarettes, they got a, they got a little disclaimer on. There's a lot of things that we buy that have disclaimers. If you do this, this will happen. Well, I'm telling you this morning, if you, if you commit to pursue God with all your heart and you commit to go through these steps, it will mess you up. You'll be ruined. All right? Or as my father used to say, "Rent." Okay? Rent. Once you taste God, it will ruin you. For religion. You, you won't want religion anymore. You'll want God. So this morning, if you're desperate for God, if you're desperate to taste Him, to experience Him, to, 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 to abide in His presence, and you're not willing any longer to settle for the junk food of religion, I want you to listen really carefully this morning. I encourage you to write down, I didn't send Tom these points, these headings, because... For this reason, I really feel like if they're important enough for you, you'll write them down. And they're pretty simple. I hadn't, they're not long, okay? The passages will be there. They'll be on the screen. But there's a, there is a, a protocol. There's a preparation. There are some things that, that we have to do, some patterns that we have to follow. If we're going to have an intimate relationship with God, if we're going to move into His presence... There are some steps we have to take. We have to pursue God to enjoy a, a heart-to-heart communion with Him. And to do that this morning, we're going to look at, at the book of Ruth. Ruth is one of my favorite books in the Bible. It's more than boy meets girl, girl meets boy. They fall in love and live happily ever after. And by the way, their great-grandson's King David. Okay, it, It's far deeper than that. 
I mean, this is, this is a, a picture uh, of, of how God loves his people and how God pours his heart out to his people and how his people are supposed to res- respond. And so this morning, we're going to look at, at the book of Ruth. We're going to look at chapter 3, but if you're not familiar with Ruth, you ought to go home and read Ruth this afternoon. It's four short chapters. It's, it's easy reading. It, it's probably the greatest love story in all of, of creation. Ruth is a, is a story about a man and a woman that, that really mirrors the love story of God and us and the, and, the, and, the, and the love story God desires to have with you. Ruth, was a, she was a widow. She was a foreigner. She was from Moab. And she was a foreigner that was living at this point in this book in a strange land. And she was dependent completely dependent on the grace of strangers. Uh, in, in, in this day, if you were a widow and you were a, a foreigner, there was nobody to take care of you. You were, you were sort of ostracized and, and pushed to the edge of the fringe of society. There, was, there weren't any government programs as such, although God had, had, had installed some programs of his own, and we'll see some of those this morning. But Ruth was... Was, uh, was in a desperate position. Her husband had died, and she had left her native country of Moab to go back to her mother-in-law's country of Israel. Her mother-in-law was Naomi. Naomi had lost her husband as well. So basically, you've got, a, you've got two widows together with no one to take care of them. And she's got nothing to offer except her desperation. And so when they get back to Israel, they don't, they don't have anybody to take care of them. And if they want to eat, they have to get out and get after it. God had instituted in the law, he had instituted some resources for, for people that, that didn't have any means, that didn't have anyone to, to take care of them. Uh, the widows, the orphans, the strangers. And what he, his, 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 uh, his plan was is that when the farmers and, and the ones that ran the vineyards and the ones that planted the grain, when they gathered their crops, they, they couldn't gather everything. They had to round off the fields, which means they left the corners of the fields. Also, if, a, if, a, if the gleaners, the harvesters, dropped anything, they were not supposed to pick it up. They were supposed to leave it. When they gathered their grapes, they didn't gather them clean. They were supposed to leave some. And what happened is God was making provisions for those who didn't have anything. Now, here's the key. Those who didn't have anything had to get up, and they had to go into the field, and they had to work. But the provisions were there. And so Naomi t- tells Ruth, Ruth, uh, We've, we've got to eat. And so Naomi, Ruth volunteers to go. And so Naomi sends her to the, to the fields of a, of, a, of a distant relative of her husband. And she says, you know, you just do what God shows you. And so Ruth goes and she works hard. And she gets noticed by the man who owns the property, who owns the fields. His name is Boaz. Boaz notices her because of her willingness to work. He notices her because of her character. He notices her because of, 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 of just the diligence that she puts forth. And so he sort of takes her under his wing and he tells his, 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 his men, just drop a little here, leave a little extra there, 
and, and, and just go on. Don't bother. When we sit down to eat, invite her in. When we have a, a, a water break, invite her to tra- take water. And so God began to work in that situation. And as we look at that story and how Ruth responds to the grace that Boaz gives, you and I can learn some things about pursuing God. Okay, We're going to look at a, at a human story, but it has some spiritual depth to it. It has some meaning to it. And I'm going to try to get through this today. If I don't, I'm just not going to rush. I'll finish it next week. Okay, I just think this is so important that we learn. But God's Word declares emphatically that as believers, we can enter the presence, the holy of holies of God. We can come right into His presence. And we can come... Some translations say with boldness. What it means is we can come with utter confidence, complete confidence that God will meet our needs, that he will will give us what we need and more. Okay? God is a God of more. He doesn't just give us what we need. He gives us more. And so we can come in there with confidence. But we have to be prepared to enter that place, right? We have to prepare ourselves to enter that. Otherwise, it's presumption. And we don't presume on God. We prepare ourselves. Preparation is essential. Intimacy requires preparation. It's not something we rush into haphazardly. It takes time. It takes effort. It takes affection. And so when Ruth returns home from, from one of those days of gleaning in the field, and, and, and Naomi sees the amount of grain, I mean, God never intended for the people that, that lived off the other people to get rich, okay? He, didn't, he intended for them to have enough to meet their needs. Well, Naomi, is she understands about the amount that Ruth would probably come home. But when she sees the amount that she keeps bringing home, she realizes God's up to something here. And so Naomi steps in and she begins to advise Ruth. She begins to to share with Ruth some protocol, some step-by-step preparation that she needs to make to meet Boaz and to talk with Boaz. And so I really believe there there are some steps that we can learn by just looking at what... Naomi taught Ruth and what Ruth did. And we can apply those to our relationship with God. So I'm going to share, hopefully I can share all seven. I think I can. But step number one, motive, not methods, is what really matters. In other words, the motive is the most important. It's not what we do, folks. It's why we do it that matters. It's the heart issue. Why do you, why do I want an intimate relationship with God? Why do you want to get close to God? You don't have to answer out loud. I'm I'm just, that's a silent pause to give you a minute to think, okay? Why do you want a relationship with God? You know what? Some people want the power that comes with that. Some people want the notoriety. Some want the, the holiness and, and, and the way it looks and the way it appears. And, and some want the position and the prestige. But motive really does matter. Naomi has a pure motive. 
Listen to what she says to Ruth in chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to Ruth, said to, said to her, My daughter, shall I not seek security for you, that it may be well with you? Ruth is a young woman. She is a, a woman of marrying age. It's obvious that she's a beautiful woman, that she has be, uh, awesome characteristics and wonderful virtue. And so Naomi doesn't want her just to stay in the house with her and be an old maid, okay? She, just, she wants her to get married. She wants her to be taken care of. And so Naomi seeks security and she seeks rest for Ruth. Now, I want us to kind of switch gears into a spiritual realm there. That translates into a relationship of provision and protection. She wants Ruth to be able to take a deep breath. She wants her to have a place over her head. She wants her to have a husband. She wants her to have children if the Lord gives them. She wants her to be safe. She won't, doesn't want her to be worried or anxious or fearful of what's going to take place next. And folks, if we translate that into spiritual terms... It's a relationship of protection and provision. Whenever we enter the presence of God, if we enter for any other reason than His protection and His provision, His grace. Let me just put it in one word. His grace. We're there for the wrong reason. Okay, There's nothing wrong with, with asking God for our needs. But if all we ever ask God for is our needs, we don't really have a relationship with God. If all you do with a person that you're friends with or the person that you're married to or you're, you're, if you're a younger person, you're in your parent, is, if all you ever do is ask them for something, you've not really learned the, the depth of what relationship is. And so, Really, the, the only reason we go into God's presence is this. God, I want to be with you. And I, I just want to find some rest, some peace. I just want to spend some time with you. you say, well, Nelson, i got all kinds of needs. Listen to me. If you'll just spend time with God, He'll take care of your needs. He'll take care of all the stuff that's stressing you out. It's about our motives. It's not necessarily how, it's why. Lord, I'm here because I want to be with you. I just want to sit quietly with you. So it's motives, not necessarily methods that matter. The second one, and this is, this is a little bit more in depth, but it's, 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 important, it's just as important. Personal preparation is essential. Now, Ruth had been laboring in the field. She'd been working in the fields. She gets home. She's sweaty. And she's dirty. Okay? Let me just put it in terms we all understand. She stinks. Okay? I don't want to be whatever, but they didn't use deodorant back then. They didn't bathe every day. She was dirty. She had been, if you had been working in the field, if you, if you had been harvesting the barley crop, you would have been sweaty and you would have been dirty. And you would have not smelled your best. And so she wasn't prepared to go on a date. 
Amen? I'm a, there's all kinds of things going on in my head. I just got to move on, okay? So Naomi makes a suggestion, okay? She says this in, in, in verse 3. She says, wash yourself, therefore, and anoint yourself and put on your best clothes. Very simple, okay? Very practical. Take a bath. Put on some perfume. And whatever you do, take that black dress off. Okay? Put something else on. Now, I want to apply that spiritually. Whenever we enter the presence of God, we need to take a few moments just to prepare ourselves. Okay? Just to check ourselves out and make sure we don't stink, spiritually speaking. That we're not dirty, spiritually speaking. So whenever we, we, we t- enter the presence of God, we just take a few minutes and we make sure that there's not any unconfessed sin in our life because unconfessed sin is like stepping in a big hot pile of chewing gum. Everywhere you go, it leaves a mark. It stretches out. Any of y'all ever done that? You got out your car in the, in, the, in the parking lot and the first thing you do is step in chewing gum and chewing gum gets on the bottom of your shoe and you take a step and it stretches and then you get in your car and it's there. It's everywhere. Okay, that's the way sin is. Okay, it gets on everything and it gets in the way. We all sin. Amen? We all sin. We all get dirty because during a day, we all commit sins. Some of them are are sins of omission, things we didn't do and should have. And others are sins of commission that we did and shouldn't have done. And sometimes we're not even aware of them. And sometimes we are, okay? And so we all need to take a moment And just confess the sin. Confession means to agree with God. God, you are exactly right. This is what I did and it's exactly what you say it is. That's all it is. Lord, I I did what you... I did it. I confess it. Confession is a... It's a bath. That's what it is. It's a spiritual bath. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins... God is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins, and listen to this, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We have to turn on the water, but God applies the soap. It's the blood of Jesus. He cleanses us whenever we confess our sins, if we will do it. That's the only doubt in this whole verse, if. So you could translate it, when we do this, God does this. God cleanses us. If we'll confess, God will do the rest. But Ruth didn't stop with just a bath. <clears throat> she put on the smell of good stuff, okay? She put on the perfume. She anointed herself. In this culture, uh, they would take olive oil and they would mix spices with it. And, and it, it, there were different smells and, and different perfumes. And, and she just put it on. And the word anoint means to rub it yourself. It means to rub it in. I mean, she saturated herself with it, okay? That's, that's what it means. She put on the, that fragrant ointment. And, and, and t- to me, it's a beautiful picture of something, a symbolic thing. It's a, it's a picture of what the Holy Spirit does when He fills us. When He fills us. 
Once we confess our sins, the next thing we do is we ask the Holy Spirit to just fill us. Maybe, maybe that, uh, you know, God, I've grieved you today. Holy Spirit, fill me with your, with your presence. Lord, fill me with your spirit. Pour out yourself over me and, and, and just cover me with your spirit. Invite the Holy Spirit to permeate your body, soul, and spirit. I mean, that's, that's, that's all it is. You just invite the Holy Spirit to come and to fill you. But that's not all Ruth did. She didn't just take a bath. She didn't just put on perfume. It says she dressed appropriately. Put her, her, her mother-in-law says, put on a new dress. A widow in this culture wore a black dress. Wore Everything she wore from head to toe was black. It said, I am a widow. Okay? It just flashed. And it also said, as long as I wear this, I am in mourning. Okay? And so they would wear it for uh, different periods of time. I don't know how long Ruth had been wearing hers, but it was time to come out of mourning and to be ready for a new relationship. And so Naomi tells her, put on a new dress. Put on your best clothes. That's what she says. Changing her clothes signified that she was available. And that she was prepared for a new kind of relationship. I love what Isaiah 61.3 says. It says God has given us new clothes. He's given us new clothes. He says giving them a garland instead of ashes. The oil of gladness instead of mourning. The mantle of praise instead of a spirit of of fainting. He's given us a mantle, something that to put around our necks. In other words, we're supposed to praise him. We're to get our praise on, as some would say. It alerts God. When you put on praise, when you begin to praise him, it alerts him that you are serious. Okay? I mean, it's it's hey, hey God, hey, hey, hey. It it's it's Praise gets God's attention. And listen to me. Nothing can take you into the presence of God faster than authentic worship. Real worship. Heartfelt worship. God loves it. He is attracted to it. It draws His attention to you. And so Ruth, she, she takes a bath. She, gets the, she puts on the perfume. She puts on the new dress. She's prepared to go into the presence of Boaz now. And folks, if we'll just learn to confess our sin and ask God to fill us with His Spirit and then praise Him, we're prepared to go into His presence. And we can go in there with what Scripture says in Hebrews is confidence, boldness. So personal preparation is essential. But here's step three. And this is really important. We must actively pursue. When Ruth got dressed and she dabbed that stuff on in all those places and you know, and, and did what she was supposed to do. And, 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 and she put on those new, that new dress. She didn't just go out and sit on the porch in the swing and wait. Okay? I wonder when he's coming by. She didn't do that, okay? That's not what happened. Now, that's what happens in fairy tales, but not in real life, okay? She went after what she wanted. 
She wanted Boaz. Okay? Boaz was the answer to her provision and her peace, her protection. And so we have to go after God. I mentioned a few moments ago that relationship is a mutual pursuit. Listen to me. Salvation, in salvation, God pursues us. Okay? He pursues us. But in relationship, it's mutual. We pursue Him and He pursues us. Okay? And somewhere in the middle we meet. If I don't pursue, I won't ever have relationship. I won't ever experience what intimacy is with Him. So I have to get up and I have to go after Him. And so do you. Naomi says this. This is what she says. In verse, the latter part of verse 3, she says, Go down to the threshing floor. Don't make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. And it shall be when he lies down that you shall notice the place where he lies down. Ruth is told to go to the threshing floor and wait. I mean, that's what, that's what Naomi says. She, she doesn't say, when you get to the threshing floor, burst in there and wheel around and around three or four times, making sure that, that the, the perfume that you've got fills the threshing floor up and he can't help but notice you. That's not what, that's not what she says. She says, you go, you find the place, you make note of it, and then you wait. You wait. And one of the things about pursuing intimacy with God is learning patience and timing. So why do we have to learn patience and timing? This is what God says in Psalms 46, verse 10. He says, be still and know that I am God. Be still. And know that I'm God. There are two things that bother most Christians. In fact, they bother most people. It's being still and being quiet. Most people hate to be still. Because the only thing that's still are dead people. That's what we've pretty much been taught. We've just got to run around and, and busily be doing something until we collapse in the bed. And almost everyone hates quiet. I mean, I know people that just have the radio playing in the background so there's some noise, okay? But if you're going to have an intimate relationship with God, you're going to have to learn to be still and be quiet. Why? Because it gives you time to see if you really want God. That's why He allows it. You see, a lot of times we come to God thinking we want Him, but we don't really want Him. We want something from Him. Okay? And like I said, there's nothing wrong with going to God for our needs. But if that's the only reason we ever go, then we're not pursuing an intimate relationship with God. We're pursuing God to have our needs met. And what I'm talking about is pursuing God for God. So Ruth goes to the threshing floor. And she waits. And she probably waits for a long time. Now listen to me. She had worked all day in the hot sun. So she's tired. And she's sleepy. And now she's, she, it's dark. And she's hiding in the shadows. And she's waiting. And she's got to stay alert. She's got to watch every move he makes. 
She's got to make sure nobody sees her. I don't know what her position is, but I can imagine she sort of squatted down. Her feet are going to sleep. I don't know about you, but when you stay in one position a little while, what happens? Your feet and your legs go to sleep. She, she is constantly having to, to make sure she's alert. Y'all got the picture? Folks, we just can't lollygag into God's presence and expect something to happen. We have to be still and we have to be quiet and we have to pay attention. And that's exactly what Naomi told her. You go there and you pay attention to what's going on and you notice the place where he lies down. And you wait. Wait till after he's eaten and after he's, he's drank. And so she probably waits for hours. She pursued him to that place. Step number four. Our pursuit may require us to step over the edge. I don't know if you realize this or not, but God is not always safe in the sense that He doesn't always abide in safe places like churches. Or in the corner there in your bedroom. Or in your prayer closet. Sometimes God calls you to come to Him and where He's at is a dangerous place. Okay, It's over the edge. Sometimes we have to go farther than we are comfortable to find God. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? Some of you do. Some of you are not real sure. Y'all think I'm lost here. But sometimes God's out there on the, on the edge. On the razor. Okay? And it's disaster on this side and it's disaster on that side. But he's right in the middle. Listen to me. The threshing floor was not a safe place for a woman. Okay? It, it just wasn't. I mean, all the, the, uh, the men that worked on those floors were not nice like Boaz. And so it was a dangerous place. It was not somewhere you went if you were a single woman, especially if you were a foreign woman. And so Ruth is desperate. And she goes there. And the, and the fuel that drives her is that she's got a heart that's hungry for relationships. She is hungry for something that she can't get. Anywhere else. She's hungry. She's desperate. And so, folks, sometimes our pursuit involves a willingness to do whatever it takes to get God's attention. Whatever it takes to get the attention of the one we want to be with. And you say, well, don't I just have to throw a prayer up? Sometimes it's more. Sometimes it means moving away what's safe for you. Stepping out of that place where you're comfortable into a place where you're not comfortable. Okay? We don't hear this very often. That's why most people never find the relationship that I'm talking about. But if we want God in the way I'm talking about, we have to attract His attention. We have to go where He is. Boaz eats his supper, drinks a little wine, leans back on the pile of grain, curves himself up with his uh, outer garment, and immediately does what most men do. He goes to sleep. Boom. Just like that. And so he's asleep. And Ruth, you know, I, I, she, 
it's, it's, it's that time now, okay? I mean, I can stay over here in the darkness till it gets daylight and sneak home, or I can go after what my heart desires. And so what she does is she goes out, and she lays down at his feet, and she doesn't say anything. She doesn't demand anything, okay? Ruth was a, was a woman of integrity. She was a woman of purity. She was a woman of character. And this is a bold thing to do, okay? This is bold. I mean, this is really bold. If you understood it, and hopefully I can explain it, it's really bold. Listen to me. She didn't lie down at his side. That's the place of seduction. She lies down at his feet, which is this place of submission and surrender. And she surrenders. Listen to me. Religion will tell you that if you will do enough stuff, that God will do what you want or what you need. That's seduction. The pagans, you know why God would not allow Israel to, to, to worship on mountaintops? And under trees is because the pagans would do all their stuff, all their immorality on those mountaintops so that it would excite their gods and their gods would act. You can't seduce God. Okay? You can't twist his arm, whatever you want to call it, with enough prayers or enough fasting or enough Bible reading. You can't force God to give you what you want. Anything that teaches that is bad theology. Let me just put it another way. It's heresy. It's not biblical. And that's what religion teaches. Religion teaches you that if you'll do enough, if you'll do this long enough, if you'll do this this way, God will do what you need. Folks, that's seduction. That's not submission. And so, Ruth lies at his feet. She surrenders. She surrenders. She takes a step over the edge. That's my point. Step five. We've already mentioned this, but I, I want to give you a little bit more detail. She, step five is there's a place in our pursuit where we just have to surrender. We have to give up and say, God, here I am. When Ruth lay down at the feet of Boaz... She surrendered everything. Okay? She surrendered who she was, what she hoped for in the future, where she was. She surrendered everything. She took that step of no return, no retreat, no going back. Ruth chapter 3 verse 3 says, I mean 6 says, So she went down to the threshing floor and did according to all that her mother-in-law had commanded her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. The reason he did that is because he was guarding his crop. Okay? He was guarding what was his. Somebody had to do it or thieves would, would come and they would steal it. And so the best way to guard it is to go to sleep there. And so he, he's, he's eaten. He's drank his wine. And now he's covered himself up. And he's, he's gone to sleep. And then it says this. And she came secretly. She didn't make any. I mean she didn't make a big, a, a big entrance. Or anything like that. She came secretly. And uncovered his feet. 
and lay down. Lay down. Reckon why? I'm going to try to explain it to you. And it happened in the middle of the night that the man was startled. I'll bet he was. His feet are cold. He wakes up. And when he wakes up to cover his feet and he leans up, as Gomer would say, golly. Shazam. <laughs> He's not there by himself. Okay? I mean, this is what the text tells us. He, he's not there by himself. He was startled and he bends forward. And behold, my gosh, there's a woman lying at my feet. And he says, who are you? And she answers, I'm Ruth, your maid. So spread your covering over your maid, for you are a kinsman redeemer. She surrenders, okay? I'm Ruth, your maid. She surrenders. Step number six. Respond from the hunger of your heart, not from the religion of your head. Okay? Boaz eats, he drinks, he goes to sleep. In the middle of the night, he stirs half awake because his feet are cold. He leans forward. There's a woman, and she's lying about... An inch away from his feet. Now, he goes from dead asleep to wide awake, just like that. And he, he asks the obvious question, who are you? And listen to me, her response, Ruth's response is worth noting. Because there will be times when we go into God's presence that he will say, who are you? Okay, who are you? And our response is everything. Okay? Ruth says, I'm Ruth, your servant. She could have said, I'm Ruth, the widowed wife of Mahalan. But that's not what she says. I'm Ruth, your servant. Folks, our response is everything. When God says, who are you? Well, Lord, I'm the pastor of the church. I'm the teacher. I'm the Sunday school teacher. I'm the mother, the father. I work at this center and that center and I do this ministry and that ministry. That's not what he's asking. He wants to know who are you. And listen to me, if you don't know who you are, how are you going to answer? Listen to what Ruth says. Ruth says, I am Ruth, your servant. Lord, it's me. Your servant. You know, Lord, the one who Jesus bought when he died on the cross. Lord, I don't have anything to offer. I didn't bring anything. I'm just here at your feet to serve you. It's just me, Lord. You see, Ruth didn't give a resume. She didn't remind Boaz of all the stuff she'd done in the field the last week or so. She didn't tell him how hard she worked. Or how much she had gained, I mean, how much uh, she'd picked or, or gathered. 
Listen, it doesn't matter how much you do or what you're capable of. That's not why you're there. If you were capable of taking care of yourself, you wouldn't need this relationship. Amen? That's not in my notes, but that's free, okay? But listen to me. All those things, none of those things carry any weight with God. God is not a respecter of persons. Lord, it's just, it's just me. And I've come to be with you. Listen to me. When we submit ourselves, and that submissiveness accompanies a surrendered heart, we get God's attention. I'm going to tell you, Boaz, she had Boaz's attention 100%. Okay, I, he couldn't take his eyes off of her. And she says, it's me, Ruth. Listen, when we have God's undivided attention, God's intimate presence opens up. He said, well, tell me about it. You're going to have to go there for yourself. Okay. Because what happens when I get there may not be the same thing that happens when you get there. Because I may have different needs than you have. But whatever you need, God will meet you right there. Respond from the hunger of your soul, not the religion of your head. See, our head will tell us to, to tell God all the things we've done. Our heart will just say, God, it's just me. And you know what? It's okay to just be you. Because that's all God's interested in anyway. It's just me, God. Just me. So respond from the hunger of your heart, not the religion of your head. And here's the seventh one. And I'm, I'm done after this one. Reveal your heart and then rest in God's presence. Ruth makes her request. But that request doesn't just reveal her need. It reveals the depth of her heart. She says, she says this. She says, I am Ruth, your maid. So spread your coverings over your maid. For you are a, a kinsman redeemer. You are a, a close relative. If, if we were Hebrew, you are the Goel. That's the word. In other words, Bo, Boaz, I am yours if you will have me, marry me. That, I mean, that's what she says. You say, well, how do you know that? Because here's the picture. When she asked him to cover her with the hem of his garment, spread your wing over me, that's, that's, the, that's the picture there. It talks about earlier in, in, in the book of Ruth that Ruth, Boaz says to Ruth, may, the, may God cover you with his wings. May you become a part of his people. That's, that's the idea. May he be your husband, in a sense. And so when she asked Boaz to, uh, to, uh, to cover her with his garment, for him to lay his garment over her is to say, will you marry me? Say, so where'd you get all that? That's culture. That's, that's, that's what they did, okay? That's why Naomi sent her. That's why she gave her all these instructions. And so Ruth says, cover me with the hem of your garment. Spread your wing over me. I'm yours. You can do with me whatever you want. That's, that's what she was saying. 
In other words, Lord, it's me. Would you cover me with your wings? Lord, I want to enter into that place that Psalms 91 talks about. Under the shadow of your wings. I want to go to that secret place. I want want to go to that place where nobody else can see me so I can simply be by myself with you. Listen to me. If you will learn to do what I'm talking about, it will revolutionize your relationship with God. And you will become a radical lover of God. And what will happen is religion will sicken you Because you have tasted intimacy with God at a higher level. And listen to me. Once you taste God, nothing else will satisfy. We're going to find out next week what happens. Okay? As as some would say, the rest of the story next week. But Ruth, I want you to understand this. Ruth has done everything she can do. That's it. There's nothing else. She's dependent now on Boaz. And folks, if we will prepare and we'll do everything that we're supposed to do, when we get to that place, the presence of God will open up. The only question is, are we willing to do this on a regular occasion? Are we willing to do this regularly? Are we willing to do this every day? Are we willing to do more than just take notes in a sermon? Are we willing to make these notes that we've taken a part of our everyday life? Are we willing to pursue God with with all our heart? Listen to me. Relationship requires all of your heart, not a part of it. Are you willing to give yourself to God completely? That's the question this morning. Ruth was willing to surrender everything. Are we willing to surrender everything? Let's pray. For more information on Eagles Wing Church, visit our website at www.eagleswingchurch.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Eagles Wing Church. Thanks for listening and have a blessed week.